Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Schrader, and we're wrapping up our series. This is the last episode on biblical manhood and womanhood. And we're going to focus on the rest of 1 Timothy chapter 2 today. And I'm going to talk about submission and teaching roles. Well, Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.11, a woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. Now, I want you to think about the culture that Paul was writing to, because what he just now said is completely countercultural. Now, you'll miss it in our culture. Why? Because in our culture, learning, being discipled, is for men and for women. But in this ancient culture, women weren't disciples. Women weren't learners. That wasn't their place. They were excluded from the synagogue. They could stand outside and they could listen, but they weren't accepted to go in with the men. What Paul is saying here is countercultural. He's saying, no, the women ride along with the men. Everybody together is to learn. That changes it if you really understand that he's turning things upside down. See, a lot of people, they read this and they say, oh, well, Paul was just a chauvinist. No, he's the opposite. He's turning things upside down. He's saying that women have a right to learn right along with the men. Why? Because they're equal in value, dignity, and worth. They're distinct in their roles. And that's what he says in verse 12. There's a role that she's not supposed to take. Why? Because that's how God put the church together. Because that's how he designed it. And we're not going to tell our maker that he made us wrong. We're not going to tell the creator of the church, the one who's building the church, that he's building it wrong. He's built men to be teachers and leaders. He's built women to be learners and nurturers. Now, men need to learn and nurture as well. And women have relationships with other women where they lead, with their children where they lead and where they teach. But when it comes to the offices within the church, the offices of leadership within the church are reserved exclusively for men. So women are to be discipled in the church. They're to be taught in the church. And they're, they're taught in a specific format. They're taught in a place where they're sitting and they're hearing the word exposited. You see, it's not just the women that are supposed to learn in quietness. The men are too. When the pastor's preaching, people need to sit and listen to that word that's being taught. They all need to sit and listen. Women learn in quietness right along with men. That's what's countercultural about this. Um, Peter explains it this way. First Peter 3, 1, he says, In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Now, it's so important to get this. It's a temptation for women to believe that in order to have value, they need to be put in positions of headship, leadership, and teaching authority. And what Peter teaches is that their power is actually in their testimony. The power is in their testimony. You hear what he said? He says, You're, a woman is married to a man who's not a believer. Now, he's not condoning marrying unbelievers. It's just a lot of women were getting saved and their husbands weren't. And Well, she wants him to get saved. How is she going to win him? Not by lecturing him not by dictating to him, not by commanding him, not by exercising authority over him, but by winning him, how? Without a word, but by the way that they live. You see, women are given a unique role within the church to adorn the gospel with their conduct. They put the, the gospel on display. What am I talking about? 
Well, you see, I can't be saved except by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. And what's faith? Abject dependence. Me saying there's absolutely nothing I can do here except depend on you. Women put that on display all the time. Women put that on display effectively when there's no place for them to exercise authority, to force somebody to do something that they know that they should do. Instead, they have to just depend on the Lord. But that's the most powerful thing you could do. You see, when you depend on the Lord, he's going to come through. He's going to strengthen you. What Peter's saying really is what we all say. Actions speak louder to words. Women need to understand that God's good design is that the most convicting and convincing thing about them is their pure and reverent lives. Not their words, not their looks, but their lives. Do you believe that? If you're a woman and you're listening to this podcast, do you believe that? Do you believe the most convicting and convincing thing about you is your pure and reverent life? Or do you think it's your words? Or do you think it's the way that people perceive your dress, your adornment? It's not. It's your conduct. It's your pure and reverent lives. Well, back to 1 Timothy 2. So there's, there's two things that Paul is prohibiting for women here. He's prohibiting them to teach or to have authority. So at our church, the way that we practice this is we say it's, it's appropriate for women to teach children, and it's appropriate for women to teach other women, but it's not appropriate for women to teach men. And so we've defined that at our church as um, in, the, in the Old Testament, when a Jew became a man, was around 12 years of age. So in our junior high ministry, we won't have women as teachers from junior high and above. We won't have women teaching the men. We won't have women teaching the boys. And something that I, I teach my sons, when they turn 13, I tell them, you're a man. I'm going to start giving you some autonomy, some responsibility. We need to be teaching our young men that. But when we have women's ministry, we want the women teaching the women. We want women counseling women. We want women who are investing in or gifted in teaching. We want those things within our church. So not teaching, it's talking about specifically over men and not exercising authority. It's talking specifically about exercising authority over a man. And, and Paul goes on, he gives us the reason. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. Now, it's really important to understand that Paul begins verse 13 with the word for. The reason that's important is because Paul is tying his prohibition against women in authority and in teaching positions, he's tying it into God's original design. He's tying it to the, to the design of creation. In other words, he's not tying it to a social convention. A lot of people will read 1 Timothy 2 and they'll say, oh, this is just a social convention. This isn't relevant for us today. We might as well just tear it out of our Bible. There's no, there's no relevancy to today. Paul's not saying this because of the culture at large. He's saying this because of how God created the world. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. In other words, God created man and woman in a certain order. And that order demonstrates a responsibility. It's so, so tragic that a lot of people don't understand that the word authority in Scripture means responsibility. And that's where he goes. Because what happens? 
It says Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. That's not saying that Eve is a worse sinner. What does Romans 5 tells us? For as what through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. You see, Adam sinned with his eyes wide open. And Adam sinned as a responsible party. And Adam sinned as one who's standing by while his wife is doing this. And did his excuse work with God? Remember what he says? He says, this woman you put with me. He blames Eve and God. It doesn't work. Adam, it's your fault. It's your fault. Death through sin. Why? Because of Adam. It's because of Adam that we're born in sin. Did you get that? Why? Because headship. Primacy in creation means responsibility in the fall. That's what we see. That's what Paul is showing us here. That's what he's tying together in this passage. Now, I want you also to understand this. When, when Eve gives in to the devil and she, she gives in to that temptation, she's perfect. She's, she doesn't have a sin nature. Have you ever thought about that? In other words, what's happening right there is they're operating within the created order when they fail. She doesn't have a sin nature when she gives in to this. But we see that there's a failure for the order of creation in that moment, that men and women are not interacting as they're supposed to. What do I mean? I mean Adam should be protecting his wife. Adam should be stepping between her. Adam should be reminding her of the word of the Lord. And he's failing. Now, he hasn't sinned, but he's failing at living up to what God has designed him to do. And so death comes into the world, and man is responsible. So we see that God has designed men to be leaders, men to be teachers within the church, men to be operating in positions of authority. And the reason this is so important is because when the church fails, the men are responsible. Even if they've placed a woman over them, they're responsible. It doesn't matter. If they, if they give their responsibility away to women and they say, we want this woman to rule over us, the men are the ones who are held accountable. We see that um, in the story of Deborah in the Old Testament. Remember that? Barak is the one who's held responsible. She calls him into account. He's trying to let go of his authority and give it to her, and he, she says, you're the one who's responsible here. You're the one who's responsible. So you see, headship means responsibility. So the prohibition for women to exercise authority or to teach then bleeds over into the next chapter where we see God's design for leaders in the church. Elders in the church are to be men. They're to be the husband of one wife. So there's a, there's a specific design that God has for men and women in the church. And honoring God's good design puts him on display. And it shows our faith in him, our abject dependence upon him. You know, there's going to be time where we're going to think in our own human understanding, it would be better to do it differently. It'd be better to put a woman in charge here. This woman is more gifted. This woman could do a better job. God's ways are better. God's ways are best. And there's a equality for men and women in the church. They're equal in value. They're equal in their worth. They're equal in their dignity. But there's distinct roles there's distinct responsibilities. 
that God has given those. So look at the church, look at those around you and ask, what responsibility has God given me here? Go out and do it, not for me, not for eye service, but for the Lord. Thank you so much for listening to me today.